0: RadioInfluence.com Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the Real Animals Podcast, which is presented by Contender Boats. We're here at the Radio Influence Studios here in beautiful Tampa Bay, and we're, uh, we're going to be joined by a really, really good friend of mine. Um, somebody who I'm, I'm only disappointed that uh, we just really hooked up here in the last four or five years or so. Um, one of the one of the 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 great names in fishing in the Tampa Bay area has always been Mastery. Mastery's bait and tackle. Um, they've been in. Saint Petersburg since 1975 and doing a great job. It was founded by Mike Mastery and his two sons, Dale and Larry. Larry joins me here to uh, to do a podcast. How are you, Larry? I'm doing good,
1: buddy. You're, you're you're too kind, but I'll but I'll take it anyway.
0: Yeah, I don't know Appreciate about I don't know about all that, my friend. <laughs> I, you you uh you, whatever praise I give you during this podcast, my friend, you have you have aptly earned. And like I said in the open there, my my only disappointment is is not you know, I wish our friendship covered twenty or twenty-five years now. Um, in the in the the times we've we've spent together doing the radio show, uh, you helped me out there quite a bit. Uh, I've just really enjoyed just just being around you, your company during the breaks, and then obviously your fishing input and all that has been fantastic. So, uh, you know, the good news is now we're buds and and we can uh, we can rock and roll into the future here. So so we got to start if we're going to do a podcast with Larry Mastery, we got to. We've got to figure out how Larry Mastery becomes this, in my opinion, fishing legend here on the west coast of Florida. How does Larry get started in the fishing business? Did it all start with, with your dad buying the business? I mean, is that is that what happened? Mike was your dad?
1: Well, it, actually, it's, it, yeah, Mike, Mike and my dad actually started <clears throat> well before that. Uh, basically, we were I was kind of born into, or kind of, I was, I was born into a, a you know, fishing family a recreational fishing family and it mainly stemmed from from tarpon fishing uh, suncoast tarpon roundup which was st pete jc's for many many years it was probably 800 to a thousand people that participated back in the day wow uh the tournament itself is probably you know, and now it's probably 80 85 years old but that's that's how things got started um my dad fished in the tournament, my uncles Johnny and Jimmy and Lay—they were all very competitive in that in that uh, tarpon tournament. So that's how we kind of got got started with this thing. And I was a little little boy. I I just I just had crazy about tarpon. I mean, I don't know what the deal was, but I <laughs> caught my first one in 1961. I was seven years old. Wow. And uh, that that was the you know, That was the beginning of for me. I mean I became a tarpaholic at that point. I, uh, my whole entire life, all I did was tarp and fish. So that's that's how I got started into the into the uh you know, the fishing business. Just sort of on a whim, actually.
0: Tarpaholic. Um, I like really that. Had
1: no, I was a tarpaholic. Yeah, I was. I mean there's no doubt. It, it gets it gets you know, it gets in your blood. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be the I wanted to be the best of the best, but as time went on and, you know, life went on and kids and family and all, you then you just <laughs> do the best you can do at that point, you know?
0: Sure, sure. But, end up but a I, had, I had a lot of
1: help along the way. had a lot of friends that, that tarp and fish. I learned from a lot of the guides and so forth. So it was it was quite a, a lifetime experience. But then I got to actually do what I enjoy doing. That's, you know, being in the tackle business. And I mean, you're, you know, it you you did not get any better as far as, you know, the fishing part, then going right into the tackle business. I'm sure basically get live my dream there in that right. regard.
0: Right, right. Well, so how many? Just how many tarpon tournaments since you caught your first one near seven, and you've been fishing these tarpon tournaments every year. How many do you suppose you've won now?
1: Well, there's different as far as winning. There's a lot of winnings involved in these tournaments. In other words, there's overall winner, but there's weekly winners there's just a ton of ways to win uh, as far as winning goes uh, you know i've had i don't know as far as the trophies and stuff back in the day and all that's probably I'm, I'm sure at least 50. Wow. you know i mean that's just just been that's just been a long duration as far as that goes but you know i fish other tournaments too fish cake coral back in the day and 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 course back there we were quite a bit ahead of those people as far as is fishing their their tournament so we we did very well in the cape coral area it was tremendous fishing there and uh, you know fish kind of fished here and there everywhere and, and of course then there was a mix of kingfishing <clears throat> fished the first jacksonville tournament they ever had in, in kingfish and we did well there so been been on the road a little bit and uh you know i'm not as active as i used to be but I get a little older. Than I used to be too, but <laughs> but uh, it it it's just been a you know kind of a lifetime experience as far as you know going different places and, and fishing different venues and so forth. But my expertise primarily is in tarpon and and in in king So and,
0: so so let me ask you. And this has been something that I've I've gotten some uh some private messages on and some emails on as far as uh listeners to the podcast you know they they like uh, some technical side to them um if we can bring it and i think you're the perfect guy to maybe bring some of that to the table in your opinion what's the biggest key to success if if you want to catch tarpon on a regular basis you know what do you what are, What are some of the things you just have to be able to do, or you have to do? You have to know. You have to look for. I mean, what you know, What are keys to that to win you know, on that all, level?
1: Those are all. Those are all good questions. The, the. I mean, there's no real right answer to it, but, but you've got to, you've got to do your homework. You have got to at least get with somebody, a guide, or a friend, or somebody that knows the ropes, knows how to knows how to fish. You got to get started. It's like a recipe, Uh, you know, a recipe is different ingredients and so forth, but you've got to learn the basic recipe. And then as time goes on, you can kind of add to it. You can kind of build on that, but you got to do the right, you got to do the right things. You got the right equipment, the right hooks, the right leader, philosophy, whatever, area, bait. So generally speaking, you got to get with somebody that knows what they're doing and I think somebody getting started needs to get with some professional or guide and get started like that cuz I learned a ton from guides when I was a kid coming up I, I I was able to fish with the best of the best back in the day uh, Bobby Buswell and Buster Herzog and, and and Joe Dvorak and there's and, and just numerous other people Jimmy Kelly uh, and and learn I just, I learned a little bit from everybody I, I i picked everybody's brain and kind of put it together. And then my, you know, of course my family itself is a tremendous fishermen. Cousin Jay is pretty much unbeatable. So, you, <laughs> you, you know, you just pick up little things from different people and, you know, you put it together. Uh, that's kind of what I did. And then of course trial and error and, and, and you just get better as you go. I mean, I, I wish I knew then what I knew now, Right. but you know, that's just part of the, part of the deal. I think it's easier for people today to get into it because we didn't have internet and so forth How we if we learned something we had to kind of sneak it from you I always you know <laughs> steal information from you you know, right. you, you know those types of things now you can you know, now you can go out there and pretty much get a good idea what you know what to do as far as it goes
0: just go online and look it up on YouTube right
1: I think you can but you know practical experience is still going to get you in the end
0: right yeah you got to kind of know what you're doing what, what are you I mean, in your opinion, and again, it may—I know some of these may have multiple answers, but what, uh, what what is your bait of choice? If you had to pick one bait to go attack tarpon with, what would be your bait of choice? Are you going to be dead baiting? Are you going to be crabbing? I mean, what what would be your favorite tactic to kind of go at this thing and and give yourself the, what you would well, think would be the best opportunity to catch one? You
1: know, again, you know, tarpon—he's a very opportunistic feeder. There's no doubt about that. I mean, and you've seen it from the big tides, the outgoing tides, where they're keying primarily on, on crabs drifting. And, and, you know, that situation, you pretty much got to use the crabs or greenbacks, you know, you know, or, or a mix, because that's just what they're keying on. Right. But as far as what the way we used to fish, the, the primary way we used to fish, because you got to understand back in when I was coming up, we we fished for for weight it was it was a you know it was a killfish tournament so you're after big fish and the and the best opportunity to catch a big fish was dead bait fishing on the bottom and Gosh. and you're using multiple rods you know we use eight to ten rods at one time
0: that's crazy to me
1: <laughs> Chump and chum and well it, it is but i mean you get if you get your boat laid out right and under it's kind of a circular pattern and chum and so forth uh it's it's extremely productive, particularly if you need to catch numbers. Right, and and of course now that's a really great way of fishing. But my my favorite way really would be to throw crabs or drift crabs on the spinning tackle because you know spinning is fairly is fairly new because you know back back when I was coming up four watt reels is basically what you use. You had to be able to throw a conventional reel and. Now spinning reel, everybody's in the game. 65 sixty-five pound braid, big spinner, big rod, you know, and graphite rods, and and uh, you know, basically everybody can fish now. So it's, it's actually gained in popularity, as far as I'm concerned. But I enjoy that method probably more than anything.
0: Now you mentioned you mentioned kill tournaments. So you know, a lot of us that are, mm-hmm. have been around the game for a while know that the you know down in Boca Grande here in Tampa, kill tournaments, everything was about how big a fish you caught, the weight, all that. Right. Since, they, since they've done away with those and they've gone to, you know, other methods and, uh, you know, doing <clears throat> numbers of releases and all releases. that stuff, yeah. But, but have you noticed a change in the fishery in the amount of fish we have because we're not doing the kill I, I tournaments? I,
1: well, you know, in all Ferris, the, the kill fish tournament and the Suncoast tarpon round, that was, was, we really had a better system than the state did because we only allowed two fish per year per tournament to be taken. And then we had a certain weight size. So um, we had a pretty good control over that, but you now I like, I like the release part of this deal. And I think that for sure we're seeing, uh, I don't know have anything to do with this, but couldn't hurt. Uh, we're seeing bigger fish oh, Okay. consistently seeing bigger fish, which, you know, could be part of the tackle we're using today as well. Sure. You know, we didn't have the high carbon steel hooks and the floor carbon and, you know, in the braid and all that stuff. So, I mean, I think we're catching bigger fish, uh, in the past, but the numbers, uh, you know, I don't, I mean, we weren't really catching that many fish here, but I'm sure in Boca Grande, they were catching plenty of fish. Right. Um, I think the sharks are catching more fish than anything else.
0: <laughs> yeah. The you sharks, know, at
1: this point. But, sharks
0: have become a problem. There's but, no doubt. No doubt. But about I like, that.
1: but I like, I like the release aspect of tarpon fishing. It's, uh, it's just a better way of doing it, but you know that was history, and that's just kind of what we grew up into. And as things changed, you know, we changed, and so now we're we're releasing them.
0: Evolution. Everything. Everything should evolve yeah. a little bit, and it's just the way we did things, and then we get smarter as time yeah. goes by, and yeah, it just it just evolves into yeah. just into a, a better way. The way of doing things it. are
1: today. Which, yeah. Yeah.
0: No doubt. No doubt about that. So, and, and because you've been doing this for a week or two in the Tampa Bay area, I, I, I want to make sure that, that we kind of touch on um, the fishery itself. Uh, be, with you, you know, owning and running Mastery's Bait and Tackle over there in St. Pete for all these years, I know, you know, versus what a lot of people give us as far as actually knowing what's going on, the amount of fish that are being caught, you know, the, 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 the you know, what's the state of the fishery In your opinion, you know, top to bottom, you know, snook, redfish, trout, sheephead, flounder, you know, mangrove snapper, the the whole estuary, um, you know, versus, you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago.
1: Well, I I think years and years ago, the water quality was really tough. As I remember as a kid, I fished McKay Bay a lot, Alify, you know, Alify River area. Mm Mm-hmm. And your your eyes would actually burn in the morning phosphate over mm. there and just it was that was that bad the water would stink and this that and the other but years have gone on the, the water is really really cleaned up in the bay yeah and uh you know our currently our fishery I think is is very good um, I I know just in the past weeks or so these there's a bunch of big you know redfish being caught, I mean guys will catch thirty or forty of them, right,
0: yeah, and uh
1: you know snook fishing's been good, trout's been good you know, mangie's been been a great year for mangies, yeah, yeah. a lot of grouper in the bay, so um i mean i think I think we're in pretty good shape right now, plus we weren't affected by any of the tide um last year as far as getting in Tampa Bay itself, so I think we were you know blessed in that in that regard
0: yeah for sure uh,
1: fishery's good tarpon fishing's really Mm good you know every every year is different there's hardly any two years alike sometimes it's just crazy good sometimes it's so-so but you know there's 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 other factors there's weather wind and so forth storms you know changes the playing field so red tide but overall i think it's very good
0: yeah well that's good okay yeah that that's uh that's 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 good to hear and then, and, and let me ask you this, because you're in the tackle business, um, what about the state of the industry? And maybe that's kind of a weird question, but just, you know, I mean, uh, to me, it, it's one of the things that, that bothers me probably the most about the, the fishing industry is that it, we don't seem to get a ton of support um, on the conservation side from the industry. Um and I'll use, for example, um, and I know you're a big hunter just like I am, so I know you're a gun guy. Um, I, I've got my concealed carry permit, um, and, and I'm a member of the NRA. And how I became a member of the NRA was the last time I bought a handgun, um, I was purchasing the handgun. And because I have a concealed carry permit, I don't have to go through the three-day waiting period. So I was actually purchasing it. And as I'm opening up my checkbook to write a check for this gun, the guy behind the counter says, hey. You know, we got a special on joining the NRA today. If you buy a three-year membership, you save like 15 bucks or something like that. I'm like, you know what? I've been meaning to do that, so sign me up. I mean, I'm already writing a check for my gun, right? So, uh, So I'm always puzzled as to why we, you know, why the 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 boat dealers and the, the tackle stores and, and maybe you can shine some light on this it, you know why we don't use that advantage and maybe it's something that CCA has to do but to get members for CCA why don't we try to get them when they're already purchasing I mean that's our, that's our you know when you're looking for people to join your conservation force those are our people because they're the boaters and yeah. the fishermen and you know the tackle buyers and you know I mean You know, your, 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 your mom and pop shops, you know, like Mastery's Bait and Tackle and, and so many others here in the Bay Area, but even your big box stores, you know, somebody comes in there and buys, you know, a thousand dollars. It's not, it's not hard to spend a thousand dollars on tackle if you're outfitting a new boat or something like that. And it's right there. Why we couldn't get somebody to spend 85 more dollars to become a member of CCA. I mean, do you think that something would work? Do you think the industry, I mean, is it, paying enough attention to well, it?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think something like that might work. I just don't think it's really been been tried. Um, you know, I mean, it's some people probably aren't even aware of it as far as that goes. But, yeah, I think if everybody was exposed to that, or at least you could see something on a counter or whatever somebody's telling you about, you might get more participation in that because, you know, the. I mean, let's face it. That's, that's a big industry. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, and uh, you you do you do need a voice, and certainly an individual voice isn't going to get it done. It takes a it takes a lot of lot of support from a lot of people.
0: Yeah, a lot of people all, pull,
1: all together in the same group.
0: Right, a lot of people pulling in the same direction to
1: uh, exactly know, to, to
0: make a difference. Yeah, I agree. It's just one of my more yeah. it's one of the things that frustrates me the most. I think about. You know, the fishing business is just, it seems like the recreational anglers are very apathetic to the issues um, until obviously they're directly affected and then everybody's got their arms up in the air. Um, I, I just, it, it, it's a head scratcher to me that we're not more proactive. You know?
1: Yeah, we still have a lobby and, and, you know, that that would be our lobby and, uh, to, you know, help counter some of these things that go on.
0: Right. I'm with you. But, I'm with you. Know, you. This, so let's, let's, talk king, let's talk kingfish. Let's change gears because we, okay. don't, go, we don't want to go down the uh, conservation political side of fishing <laughs> trail. We'll have the podcasters dropping off in <laughs> droves here. Um, but, but let's talk kingfish. So, um, you know, the west coast of Florida, the Tampa Bay area, as far as kingfishing goes, I mean, I, I've seen some reports this week. We had water temps drop about 15 degrees over the last three days, um, which is a pretty hardcore drop. Um, and to me, the, my big fear is that a lot of the kingfish will, you know, cruise right on through that water temp 65. They'll They'll just kind of giddy up on through and follow the bait to the south. Um, is that something you see as a possibility here or do you think that, you know, it won't get too cold? Is there a certain number that you know from from your experience uh, water temp wise that would would promote that big move?
1: Well, I, you know, water, a drop in water temperature is generally not good for any experience. Especially a sudden drop like that is not good. Bait generally moves. If the bait's on the beach, the bait will generally move out there a little bit deeper water, and, and so the fish. Particularly if you get, like, a northwest wind, which we had, all the fish that were on the beach will move out a little bit. But the last, you yeah, know, actually, in the last day, there have been some halfway decent reports uh, for kingfish out there in that 45-foot stuff.
0: Okay. There
1: was a fish off of... I think it was like a thirty pounder caught off. It was either Anna Maria or longboat this morning. Nice. So, I think it's a little early to. I think it's a little early to wash it out as far as temperature goes right now because we're, you know, we're in a little bit of a warming trend right now, and and I I don't I don't think we're going to have a problem with that. We never did have a bunch of fish here to start with. I mean, it's just you know generally November fifteenth. I mean, I realize the calendar doesn't always coincide with the water temperature, but Generally, this is time of year right now where where it really starts to happen in the fall. Okay. So I, th- I think we're I think we're going to be good here for a while. If, th- if this was December, I would I would probably say yeah, we're probably going to be in in trouble. But I think we're going to be all right.
0: Okay. Well, that's positive.
1: I really
0: do. Yeah, that was yeah. Me. That was really just, that was selfish. The whole question was kind of selfish because I've got chargers coming up, and I want to know if you still think we'll have kingfish to chase. <laughs> so it was kind of, I always get nervous when we get a big cold front. You know, in a 25-foot bay boat, sometimes it's hard for me to get offshore. So it seems like sometimes in the fall, we don't even have a season for me because the you know, I can only get out there yep. one or two days, and the other days it's blowing too hard, or it's out of the Northwest, and you can't get out there unless you're in a big boat. And, you know, so it, it and, and kingfish season is something I look forward to because we snook and redfish and troutfish so much. Throughout the year, you know you have a tarpon season that breaks it up, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you're you're targeting your snook, redfish, and trout. And it's really nice when tarpon season comes and you're doing something different. And you know you you got some days you can run out and catch permit, and then you you know you got your days when the kingfish bites happen, and you can get off the beach and catch max Spanish mackerel and kingfish until your arms fall off. You know, mixed in with some bonita and some other fun fish. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I just I hate yeah I hate when we get that big cold front. And it just seems like they. Just just swim right by. It just breaks my heart to see that uh, to see that kind of go down. So,
1: well, it's it's really a matter of water cleaning up a little bit too. Usually, it takes a few days, and those fish will push out a little bit. And uh, that's basically what happened
0: yeah. on this deal because we yeah, we had,
1: we were kind of spoiled. We had you know the winds we had were northeast, which is great because that drives the bait on the beach as well as the fish. So that that was set up pretty well, but. I still think that we're gonna be okay. We might have to go out a little bit further, but I think the water temperature will will settle and you know, get back into the you know, the the range. That, you know, you don't wanna get what you don't want is water much less than sixty six, you know. When you get that boy, it's, that's not good. That's those fish are gonna be
0: be out of here. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. It was sixty eight up the little up the Manatee River yesterday. It was sixty eight mm-hmm. in the morning, which is again getting close to that sixty, sixty six, sixty five mark. When I think things get a little uh, get a little boogered up, so that's interesting. So, so let's talk about Mastery's Bait and Tackle from the seafood market side. I don't know that everybody knows that you sell seafood there. How long have you been doing that with the tackle store?
1: I oh, don't probably probably twenty five years, I guess.
0: Oh wow, so a long time. Okay,
1: time. <clears throat> time flies, you know, gets, gets by you, it. but it's kind of a, you know, a little of both. We do tackle in, and, uh, in seafood. It kind of helps to, so you're not just one dimensional. Sure. It's, it's hard, you know, see, when we first started, we didn't have internet and all this, all these other tools. We had box stores. That was about our main competition back then. But now, I mean, yeah, you can, you can sit home and punch a keyboard and, Pretty much get what you want, so it's it's a little tougher than It used to be.
0: Yeah, I just so think you. you I I hate that. A bit. Yeah, I hate that part of it because you lose that personal touch, the insight from the tackle store owners that you know that know the game, that understand what you need. You know, I mean, you just you, you, when you do that stuff on the internet, you're not getting any any true guidance. Uh, I just. You know, I hate that for people that just get, you know, that don't want to go into the stores and spend some time talking to the people in the know. I think that's one of the great advantages. Yeah, you learn a lot. Yeah. It's such a great advantage. You know? We did it when I was on the redfish tournament trail, you know, in Jacksonville and Titusville and places that, you know, we, we, we were green. We didn't know enough, you know, to go in there and catch fish on a regular basis. So you're going over there to pre-fish for a week. You think you have a game plan, stop by the mom and pop shops and spend a little time and, you know, see who you might run into that might, like you said, you know, give you some information that can lead you in a good direction, you know, so you're not chasing your tail for the first two days that you're in town. So, um, that's just one of the gifts of those, of those mom and pop tackle stores that, uh, are a big advantage. And then I really like the fact that you've got the seafood there. Uh, my wife and I were always looking for, fresh seafood, and she was all excited. I had stopped by your shop here a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, man, I got some great-looking seafood in there. And she was like, really? Okay, well, now we know where we go when uh, we want to do fresh seafood. And, uh, you know, as far as the offshore stuff, with me being an inshore charter cabin, most of the time my customers take the fish home. So I'm the one that gets stuck going to the uh, the seafood market to pick up the seafood, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, now you got, you're got actually a little limited as far as what you can keep now.
0: Well, that's true, too. That's true too.
1: You know, but but anyway, yeah, we've 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 done that for quite some time and been you know very successful with that. So that's that's just you know a big part of what we what we do here. But of course, the, you know the love of fishing is where it's at for me. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> do a lot of you know do a lot of rigging and and so forth. And, and that's the other thing. It's I feel like a mad professor because I'm always dealing with something here as far as rigging or try to figure out a different way of doing stuff or experimenting with you know different types of hooks and tackle and leader material and so forth. So and I get a lot of feedback from customers as well. Sure. So it's it's been been a pretty interesting ride, to say the least.
0: What's your biggest kingfish?
1: Um biggest kingfish that actually caught is upper fifties.
0: That's a good fish. That's huh? um, <laughs> a good fish. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've had some, you know, some biggest kingfish I ever saw in my life was at the port, Port Manatee, and I wasn't even kingfishing, <laughs> but uh, that was uh, truly cr- incredible fish. So uh, I know they get in that 80, 90-pound 80, bracket because I saw, I saw this fish twice swim by the boat, so oh, wow. that, that was, that's something always. Like, that's something that always stay with me. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So you, just, you never know. You never know what you're going to get into.
0: That's crazy. It
1: is crazy. it is crazy. It's insane.
0: Yeah, I saw well,
1: this fish. I was standing up, just, just kind of mangy fishing off the side of the boat. I see this thing swim by. I said, that was 150-pound tarpon right there. My son was beside me. And about the same time, he, he said, you know what? That ain't no tarpon. That's a kingfish. <laughs> and then he went down a ways and came right back, same same error upside the boat, So again, um, unbelievable.
0: So, wow. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. you know that's one, That's why we why we do what we do. That's why we go out there because you see <laughs> things all the time. Yeah, that, wow. that just,
1: that just yeah, it's, it's exciting.
0: It's have you exciting done, stuff? Have you done much fishing uh, uh, around the world, or just mo- most of your stuff here on the west coast no,
1: of Florida? Mostly, what I have done, uh, I've gone, um, I've fished. East Coast, I did the Kingfish tournament. So I do, you know, Panama City, a, and on the East Coast I did um, as far as far north as Hatteras.
0: Okay, wow.
1: And then you know the Car- the Carolinas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Mealy Island, Georgia, and and then down you know Stuart, then you know all the way down towards Miami. And but that was that was years back when I had a little more a little more time and enthusiasm, I guess. But <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I mean i enjoyed going and fishing different different areas and so forth but our techniques were basically the same um live baiting using relatively light line 20 pound lines basically what i use um number number four wire and in a straight two odd hook a number six or number four treble hook i mean it's basically a stinger rig
0: is there is is, working good is there one of those areas that you Liked more than the rest of them. I mean, is there is there one of those places that jump out to you that where you're like, uh-huh. I'd like to go back there and do that again. Well,
1: I enjoyed I I enjoyed Panama City. You did. You didn't have to go very far offshore. to get in deeper water. There was plenty of bait, sardine minnows, and goggle eyes, and so forth, and and the fish was really good. Hmm. That was generally in, around September. October-ish. It was always somewhere around the World Series. So, but there wasn't many many people down there. So you really, pretty much had it to yourself. And, uh, and I enjoyed I enjoyed the Carolinas too, um, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, that area, Little River Inlet. Um, we fished that. In fact, we won a boat there in in one of the wow. Arthur Smith Arthur Smith King Mackerel tournaments they had back in the day. Nice. And, and they're right there. I mean, that was, that was a deal. We really didn't know what the hell we were doing. <laughs> we, it was rough. It was, wind was blowing off the land, but it, it was blowing like 25. And so we went out to where the water cleared. It was like a, um, a break. It was kind of muddy. And then you got into a, a little bit of clean water, almost like a rip. We just started fishing that rip and, um, hooked up this 30 some pound fish. And that, that was, that was the winning fish. I mean, it was just, Complete slop shot, but this goes to show if you've got a line of water you, you got a shot
0: do you so, think that, do you think that that, was a go ahead good memory going, I'm good go ahead. do you think that sloppy conditions are better for kingfish
1: um well, they sure as heck can't see as well that's for sure as far as being able to study your tackle I don't what I don't like is gin clear water and 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 calm right man they can see everything I mean it's just. <laughs> I mean, you can see the fish looking at your bait, and he's just shaking <laughs> his head. You know I me, mean? but, but, but when it's rough or choppy, uh, it's a big advantage for the angler. Okay, there's no no doubt in my mind about that. It's uh, it's just the visual; they can't see it as well. And these these big fish, you know, they're not they're not dumb. They're they've been there and seen a few things. So I I think that's one reason why we use a lighter gear, anyways, lighter tackle, lighter. Lighter wire, get a gamble a little bit. They you get, know, they get that bite from the live bait, bait scene, anyways. But
0: they get big for uh, they get big for a reason because they're not stupid. Now, do you yeah, no go but, ahead. No, go ahead.
1: Well, I'm just saying they're, you know, they're plus they're tackle busters. You know, you got to if you're going to tournament fish, you, you got to gear up for them a little bit. If you're using 20 pound line, you're normally going to use you know five, six, ten feet of 30 or 40 pound fluorocarbon. You know, tied to your mono, and then and then and then, of course, tied to your fluorocarbon, you're going to have a leader like two foot long with your your treble hook or your straight hook or you know combined rig, which is we call a stinger rig. Right. That's basically how we rig up.
0: Now, do you prefer the spring or the fall? And do you think one of those two has bigger fish? The spring run, well, fall the, run. The
1: fall. The fall typically is a typically. I mean, in years past doesn't necessarily pan out but it certainly didn't pan out this year but generally the fall is a much shorter duration of fishing the season is much shorter mainly because weather and you're and you're losing your temperature your temperature's cooling off and when the water gets cold you lose your bait and then the fish are gone so it's not a long season but usually it was a bigger fish but last fall last fall we or last spring we had bigger fish longer duration sometimes you'll get Sometimes you get three months out of, your, out of your spring run. Way more fish, way more bait. So that's, I prefer the spring in that regard.
0: I've caught pretty Just big fish. longer time to fish. I've caught pretty big kingfish in Boca Grande in May and June, which I always thought was interesting. Um, and I never fished that far offshore. Um, I had some rock piles there that were maybe three miles offshore that we used to permit fish a bunch. Um. And I went out there with shrimp one day and we started catching mangrove snapper off of it. So the tarpon bite would be tough and I would just say, hey, you know, run in, grab some shrimp, we'll go out here and mangrove snapper fish. And I happened to have, you know, big thread fin herrings in the boat because we were tarpon fishing. So I ended up just pitching them out on tarpon rods, you know, with a little wire leader or sometimes, sometimes just long shank hooks, whatever I had, just pitch them out on corks and just, you know, to have a to have a, a, a big rig up top with a big bait on it. And I can't tell you how many times down there we caught big kingfish off those rocks just, you know, while my guys are snapper fishing. The rod just go off and hand it to somebody and next thing you know, you and I, I know that was in, had to be May or June. I didn't go down until May 15th. So, you know, I mean, so yeah. it's interesting to me sometimes how long we have some of those fish, you know. And that might have been, been a special couple of years where we just had a little cooler water temps in May and June. Than we've you had previously. Not,
1: not necessarily, um, because big kingfish, particularly big kingfish, are notorious for passes. They they they've always gravitated towards passes, whether it be here at Egmont, you know, the whole Egmont Skyway, Boca Grande. That's that's been going on for years and years. I mean, I one you know, I won a tournament there in Boca Grande. Um, same kind of a deal. But they they just they just like to go in passes and another thing kind of interesting in comparing tarpon with kingfish they both basically show up the same areas year after year. There's mm. uh, always a pattern of of where you're looking for tarpon and there's always a pattern where you're looking for kingfish.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know,
1: that that makes makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Particularly if you're native to the area, you know, you can kind of keep track of all that stuff.
0: Right. Right. So that's kind hmm. of a. Yeah,
1: kind of an interesting deal when you follow fish around, you know. Yeah, you you, you learn patterns, and you know, there's a lot to it. I mean, you learn patterns when when to fish, certain areas that are better than others, certain times of the year, certain tides. These are things that you know that people need to kind of pay attention to when they're when they're starting out, and uh, maybe logging it and kind of keeping track of it.
0: Yeah, I'm a big believer in fish logs. I've talked about them for years. Um, I even keep a bait log, you know, so I know different times of the year, different water temps, different wind directions, and try to pattern the bait sometimes, you know. it's A lot of times bait's pretty easy, but there's stretches where it gets pretty tough, and it's nice to have those logs, you know, 10, 12, 14 years back that you can kind of go to, and sometimes it saves you, you know, because you just you can't remember it all. As you get up in years and you have have a history on the water, wherever your estuary is, you know, having those logs to me seems... Like a no-brainer, you know. You just you can't remember it all. It's impossible.
1: No, it's uh it's, it's you know it's certainly a big help, that's for sure. But uh you know, I've been here my entire life, and and you know, in tarpon fishing and whatnot. So that's about the only that's about the only thing I can remember <laughs> is my <laughs> my my better spots, you might say, where I've had better action. Right. You know? Yeah. Don't, oh, yeah. have to, don't have to worry about lineups anymore because we got GPS. So,
0: selective. You know, they, selective. To worry memory. about somebody
1: cutting down your favorite tree. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, selective memory, my friend. Selective memory, my friend. That's Larry, true. Larry Mastery, Mastery's bait and tackle. They're at 1700 <laughs> 4th Street South there in Saint Petersburg. They've been there since nineteen seventy five. Masterytackle.com. dot com. That's M A S T R Y. MasteryTackle dot com. Uh, go by there, check it out. You got to just go by and have a, a good fishing conversation with Larry Mastery, one of my favorite people in the business. Like I said, my only regret is. Uh, just becoming friends with him here in the recent years. Uh, I wish I'd have been smart enough to get in there 20 years ago when I first started. God only knows how much further I would be along and how much more I would know. So thanks for spending the afternoon with me, brother. I know it's hard running the tackle business and all that you have to do, but I, I appreciate a little bit of your time, and I really enjoyed that.
1: It's always, always great talking with you. appreciate that.
0: All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Be good.
1: All right, mate. Take care
0: hope you enjoyed that podcast my good friend larry mastery there with mastery's bait and tackle you know we're so blessed to have so many great tackle stores here in the tampa bay area Uh, larry does the radio show with me quite often on saturday mornings uh, at, 90, at 970 WFLA and, and he, him and I have become really good friends and he's such an interesting guy because there's so much knowledge there and it, it's always fun to, to try to get him talking and see what what we can get him to share you know, uh, catching Tarpon here he's one of the best in the business, Kingfish as well so uh, it's, uh, it's always great to spend a little time talking with my good friend Larry Mastery remember MasteryTackle.com for information on mastery bait and tackle and their seafood market over there you can go to their website and check them out real animals podcasts are available on apple podcast stitcher tune in google play and of course RI TampaBay.com. remember it's really important to subscribe rate and review we drop uh, try to drop new podcasts each and every tuesday so uh be sure to uh, be on the lookout for those and remember we are presented by contender boats and if you're looking to build that custom dream boat of a lifetime Nothing better than riding out in a custom-built contender bay boat with you and your family. Safe, dry, great ride. Check them out today. Thanks for tuning in to The Real Animals Podcast, guys. We appreciate you.
1: I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com.